Hello. Good day. And let's begin. This is the Free Jew Podcast. I'm Dave. Oh, wait, no. I want to be anonymous now. I want to make this anonymous, so I'm not. I'm not Dave. I am just some guy who makes a podcast. And I'm a free Jew. Unbound by the constraints of trauma-based propaganda. And you can be too. All you need to do is uh, be brave. Be brave, be smart. Embrace the truth. Though it may go against all of your preconceived notions of what may have happened in the past. There are, there's one topic in particular that I know I want to touch on today, which is the Big Bang. So we'll get into that in a minute. Um, because it's so stupid. And when you start realizing how dumb these things are, it's really like, it just puts things in perspective. You're not as smart as you think. And you shouldn't be um, so certain. That's something I've said for years. People being so certain about things that you couldn't possibly be certain of is just a really silly way to go about life. You should be open to these. Like, that's what being open-minded is. I mean, again, like, we talk about it a lot. There are few people who are as close-minded, in my opinion, as like a... Um, metropolitan liberal. I mean, that's who I'm around a lot. I'm sure there's a lot of closed-minded conservatives in other areas of the country, but this is what I'm exposed to. And I think a thought that I didn't quite finish fleshing out in the last episode was why I like doing this stuff in New York and why I'd prefer not to do it in a city where people would be more aligned with the way that I think. It's because like, when I tell a joke, I would much rather have people being like, you always want people to laugh, of course. But I would rather have the people who don't like the joke be like, oh no, or like the people who don't laugh, I'd rather them being like, oh no, how you can't say that. I'd rather that reaction than like a, yeah, Get them fucking Jews! You know, like, I'm just not interested in that. I'd rather have the one than the other. I don't want to rile people up. I'd rather people be shocked, you know, and disgusted. I'd rather have that reaction as opposed to laughter. You always want it to be laughter. But if I have to choose the, um, like, riling up a person who's a little too gung-ho about this stuff, or deeply upsetting someone who's disgusted and offended by it, I take the latter. That's why I like to do it in New York. And they need it. They need to hear it. All they get are the only, you know, the only gay jokes you'll hear, for example, from like a straight comedian in New York City are where they're gay. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're making fun of them. Okay? Like... You don't have to be gay. That's not, they think that that's the only way you're like, well, that's the only way that they feel that they're allowed to make fun of the gays is to make themselves gay. I'm like, no, no, no. You can make fun of them. You can make fun of them. You don't need to be gay in the joke, but that's all they'll do. 
I saw a really horrible joke. Um, it's, I just have no respect for these people. It's so hard for me to find comics who I can respect. And there are a few in the scene that I am in. Because, like, New York has different scenes. There's different scenes in different areas of the city. And, obviously, there's overlap. And you see a comic here and there. But you kind of, like, get your circle of comedians depending on where you spend most of your time. And there are some comedians who I think are hilarious. But there's really no comedians. I'm trying to think. I don't really encounter comedians who do the kind of comedy that I do, who do it well, that I can respect. A lot of the comedy that I really like is more silly stuff. And these guys that I respect, but they don't really touch on these topics. A couple of them do. And I really like those guys and they're very good. But it's it's rare. It's a rarity. Um, but anyway, yeah, that, that was to, to finish that point from the last episode. That's why I prefer to do it here. I wouldn't want to go to like, I don't know, whatever, a city where they'd be all like agreeing with me. I don't really, that's not what I want. Like if I wanted to do that, I would just, I wouldn't even have to move. I could just make fun of conservatives. It's easy to make fun of conservatives. I mean, a lot of them are full blown retards. So it's easy to make fun of them. And I do it sometimes. But I could just do that all the time here, and it would have the same effect. It's just not something I'm interested in doing. If I was in the South doing comedy, or you know, in like any more like really conservative area, then I would be making fun of conservatives more, because that's what they need. That's what you need to. You need to. Someone needs to make fun of you for, to your face, and call you out for being the retard that you are. Not you guys. You guys aren't retards. But you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) So let's get into... uh, I hope I can think of other places to go. Because I'm a little like... I'm trying to think of... But we'll just see where it takes us. I'll start talking about the Big Bang. And we'll see where we go. Because I'm trying to think of like things that are on my mind. But... I got a lot of it. This is I'm recording this the day after I just recorded the last episode. So I got a lot of it out yesterday. And I haven't had a lot of time to... But, you know, some people do live streams like every day. And they talk for two hours. So no reason I can't throw something together here. But we'll start with the Big Bang because I was arguing with someone on Twitter about it. And I use that term lightly because it's, it's never really an argument. I don't really care... And you never want to get emotional and you never want to get angry. But you can go back and forth with someone and be like, all right, buddy. Like, it's, uh, you, you're not really going to resolve these things over tweets or whatever they're called now, X's. Um, but I was thinking about this because it is insane. And what really prompted me to look into it is I don't like when people say Sky Daddy. I know someone who is very, he thinks religion is really stupid. And what a lot of people don't realize is like, we're not even as atheist as we've been in the past. You read some of these writings from like the 1800s and religion was a lot more insinuated in the culture. 
And so those atheists were a lot more hardcore. Like, it's not like a Sam Harris atheist. These guys were, like, angry. And it was kind of like the beginning of that type of rhetoric. And it was a lot more intense and more insulting. And it's this modern atheism is more dismissive. But they're not even as atheist as it used to be. And I think we've actually... I think if you compare it... I think, like, you know, in the earlier 1900s, there were still cultural norms that were more in line with Christianity. But I think we're even becoming a little... I think things are swinging in a little bit more of a religious direction. Because even if you factor in people who are, like, spiritual, you know, they call themselves spiritual, there's a lot more of that. And they do think that there's some kind of higher power or something or a different, like, spiritual realm that we can interact with. I think that that there's more of that than there was. So I don't think we're even like that atheist as we've been at different times in America. But anyway, I don't like the sky daddy people and a lot of the time they're gay and they're like, "Oh, you're sky daddy." Like they they're, you know, they're gay. And they're like, "Oh, you're Oh, so everything was created by your sky daddy? And I'm like, that's that really annoys me. Because I don't know, and I'm not really religious. I'd like to be. It'd be nice, I think. But I'm just not... I'm not really built that way. But I don't find it any more um, unreasonable. I don't find it any less reasonable. The... Um, God explanation for the universe than I do the scientific capital S explanation for the universe, which is the Big Bang. Because when you lay it out as they tell it, you're like, oh, that's fucking retarded. You know, you can like, if someone, if someone looks at the religious biblical explanation for how the universe came to be or how the earth came to be, because I don't know, I think it's a firmament. I think there's a dome up there. I don't think you can go to space. I don't think we know what space is. Um, I don't know what those lights in the sky are at night. Uh, I, I just don't, it's, I just don't uh, think that that's what it is. Like people get very emotional when you say these things. But that's just where I'm coming from. If you think otherwise, it's fine. I'm not getting mad at you. But I am going to point out in this case the fact that what you may believe, if you believe in the Big Bang, and it is belief, people will claim there's evidence. I'm like, okay, what would the, like, let, we'll flesh it out and then we'll ask ourselves, what, what's the evidence? What evidence could possibly back up this uh, insanity? It's really silly. It's silly. So I can understand if you look at the biblical explanation and you say, no, that's stupid. I don't believe that for a second. There wasn't some sky daddy, as, as some of them will call it, who, who just poof and everything appeared. I get that. I can see why you'd be skeptical of that, and I don't even hold it against you whatsoever. But if you're going to say that that's stupid and claim that the Big Bang Theory is smart and scientific, um, that's where I'm going to give you some pushback here. Because let's just flesh it out. And I had to look this up, okay? Because I was writing a joke about it. And I didn't even realize how ridiculous it was. I thought it was less ridiculous than it actually is. Like, here's what I thought. 
when they talk about the Big Bang, I thought that that original like ball of mass that they talk about was like huge. I thought it was like the size of a planet maybe, if there are even planets. But let's say, let's say um, if what they tell us of the sun is correct and it's like whatever, how, however many millions of miles in, uh, in diameter, just this huge, gigantic mass of energy in space. I thought that the, the original Big Bang, like the ball, the original ball of mass, I thought it was like the size of the sun, for example, or at least the size of Earth. I thought it was huge. No, no, no. You can look this up yourself. I, I couldn't believe it. It's, they say it's the size of a peach, dude. Look it up. This is their official story. This is the people who tell you that Sky Daddy is retarded. Think that everything in the universe began the size of a peach. Guys, the size of a peach. Guys. Everything in the universe, including the earth that we inhabit. The earth where it takes you to, to get from one side to the other in a plane takes you, what is it, like 18 hours? I don't know, more? How long is a flight to China? I don't know. It's a long time. Even just to get from one side of America to the other takes six hours, okay? In a plane going over 500 miles an hour. It takes you six hours. Okay, so if someone was to explain to me that just Earth, just Earth, came from a little ball the size of a peach, I would say, well, that's silly. I would say, is that, that's to you, that's more reasonable, that sounds more uh, scientific than a, uh, you know, like, a, like an old bearded man or whatever, a, a great creator, you know, poofing and, and making this appear that's more like you're like they're like that's stupid what do you think there was some creator you think it was some guy who just made this all appear no it was a peach the peach blew up this is what they tell you they say there was a peach right i it's like it's crazy to me <laughs> there was a peach okay so there was a peach but not any peach not just any peach it was very 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 dense it was very, very, very dense. It was so dense that human beings can't even wrap their minds around just how dense it was, right? And then I'm like, well, that sounds familiar. Huh, okay. Because the Sky Daddy people say you couldn't possibly understand the creator. You couldn't wrap your head around it. You're just a human. And the science people say, that's stupid. There was a peach and the peach was so dense that you couldn't possibly understand it. You couldn't comprehend it as a human. And I'm like, but that sounds like the same thing. Huh? Isn't that something? But yeah, no, no, no. The Sky Daddy thing is really stupid. But your peach theory, now this has legs. So there's this peach and it's so dense that you can't wrap your head around how dense the peach is. And where did the peach come from, you ask? No one knows. The peach works in mysterious ways. Okay, well that sounds familiar too, huh? 
Okay, okay, so so there's a peach. It just appears. No one knows where it appeared from. So did the Sky Daddy put it there? Maybe let's combine them. Maybe the Sky Daddy put the peach there and he lit a fuse. Because what happened next with the peach? This peach was so dense. It was so dense. You couldn't even wrap your head around how dense this peach was. And then the peach exploded. Boom, it was a big bang. Okay, um, why? Like, what made the peach explode? Nobody knows. The peach works in mysterious ways. All right. <sighs> okay. Um, so then what happened? Oh, well, you're going to love what happened next. The peach, it exploded. It was so big explosion it was a big bang of a it was so big the explosion and all this stuff was just flying around the universe the and it was all there's nothing and then it was all floating around the the peach exploded it was so big and and then all this like matter all this matter from the peach because it was so dense and there was so much matter in it and it was the, literally the size of a peach and we don't know where it came from, the mysterious peach of destiny. We don't know where it came from, but it exploded. And then all this stuff started fl flying around. And, and, and then what happened? It was hitting each other. Like these little pieces of matter were hitting each other and bumping into each other. And then they made themselves into these big balls. Like what we live on, like the earth. It was like a, it just, it was stuff that kept hitting each other. All this stuff kept hitting each other and then it made itself into big balls. Okay, um, so we, we can even just start there. So why would it have formed into balls? So everything's a circle, like everything's a sphere in the universe, even like the asteroids, like the, the comets, the planets, the suns, you know, the stars all across the galaxy, all across all of the galaxies. They're all circles. They're all spheres. How'd that happen? Like, none of them... So, it was just, like, stuff banging into each other, like rocks and shit. Okay? Because this brings up so many questions. You're like, how'd they all form into spheres? First of all. Oh, well, gravity. Okay, but it's like, aren't you... Don't you tell me that space is a vacuum? So, I don't even know how gravity explains that it would all become spheres. Couldn't some of it just be like, couldn't some of it be rectangles, you know, like what, or, or just like misshape, like no shape, like just, just weird blobs of, of matter. And I guess they do kind of do that with asteroids. When they show us pictures of asteroids, they look like big giant rocks. And so I guess the asteroids aren't big enough to become spheres. Like, I guess they hit a certain point of how big they are, and then they just, like, are spheres at that point. It's bizarre. But no, this is science. There's evidence. Like, I haven't, I don't even, maybe I need to do more research myself and just hear what these retards are saying about why they're spheres. And maybe they'd say because they're spinning, but I'm like, well, okay, but, because then they'll always fall back on this. They'll say, well, it took billions of years. And I don't know if you saw recently, they said, 
Well, we thought the we thought the universe was 13 billion years old, but it's actually 27 billion years old. It's twice as old as we thought. And I'm like, how am I supposed to take you seriously, dude? What what did they find that they were like, wow, we thought it was 13 billion, it's actually 27 billion. Is that just to increase the scope so no one calls out your insane theories? Well, it was 27 billion years. I mean, of course they turned into spheres. You know, that much time, everything would become a sphere. Of course it would. Okay, but why not a rectangle? Why not a square? Well, because it's spinning. Okay, why wouldn't it be a disc then? Like, why wouldn't it be a disc? Why would it be a sphere? I like I'd love if someone could explain this to me just so I could hear how insane the actual actual explanation is. <laughs> Cuz like I said, the research that I do when I look into these things, it's actually more absurd than I thought. Like I thought, like I said, that the ball that exploded in the Big Bang, I thought that was like the size of a sun at least, like the size of our sun for example, how big they tell us it is. I thought it was huge, but it was the size of a peach, guys. They, that's what they're telling me. That's what the science is telling me. The science is like, your sky daddy, your sky daddy is so stupid and retarded. It was a peach. It was the great mysterious peach of destiny. And it exploded and then everything was spheres. Some of the spheres are big and some of the spheres are small, okay? This like, this sounds reasonable. There are people who are like, yeah, that's science, dude. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's crazy. How's that not insane to people? It was a peach and it blew up and the stuff, so the space stuff, the cosmic stuff started bumping into each other and it made these big spheres. We're not even done, guys. That's only the beginning. Okay. The next question I have is, why are some of them like plasma and really hot? And why are some of them rocks with no life? And why are some of them like earth? And why are some of them gas? Like, what, why, okay, that all came from the same stuff. It all came from the same peach. Then why is the, why did one of them turn out to be the sun? And one of them turned out to be Earth. And one of them turned out to be Jupiter. And one of them turned out to be some random asteroid. What, how, like how did, what made the sun so hot? Was that stuff just like hitting it? Like, was that stuff just bumping into each other harder? It's really... What? Why is it so hot? Guys, because the peach, because this is what the peach dictates. The great peach of destiny, the peach that works in mysterious ways, determined that some of the spheres would be hot and some of the spheres would be less hot. And this, the less hot spheres would be smaller and they'd spin around the hot sphere and they'd, re they'd revolve around the hot sphere. 
and the hot sphere is hot because it's bigger or something like that. I don't know. I mean, taking a sip of water. I'm I'm exhausted already. So it's like I've got two big questions already. No, actually, we've got four big questions already. Where'd the peach come from? What made the peach explode? Why did everything the peach produced turn into spheres? Why are some of the spheres hot and some of the spheres gas and some of the spheres like earth and some of the spheres just lifeless rocks? And how long has our solar system been here? And why aren't there more planets then from stuff bumping into each other? Like, why haven't a lot of asteroids bumped into each... Shouldn't we be getting, like... Shouldn't there be new planets? I don't know. I mean, it's like... That's just silly. And we can keep going. Okay, so... Not only... Did that little peach create this solar system? It created this entire galaxy, and the galaxy is bigger than you could possibly comprehend with your puny human mind. But that's not all. This is just one galaxy of millions of galaxies. I don't even know how many galaxies they say there are. I, I don't know. But even if it was like even if it was like five galaxies, I'd be like, how'd that come from a fucking peach? They're like, you're in a solar system and your galaxy consists of countless solar systems. And then there, there are, I imagine they'd probably say that there are countless galaxies. I don't know. But even if there were, even if there's just one galaxy, even if the whole, even if just this galaxy, what is it, the Milky Way galaxy? Even if it was just one, I'd be like, how'd that come from a peach though? That came from a peach? A mysterious peach and then they go no, no 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 you don't even get it dude the universe it's like all of those things encapsulate the universe and it is expanding forever to infinity it's just keeps expanding and like so then you're asking like is there an end to it is there like a line where the, there's like there it's just like there's no more universe and they're like well I don't know, but it would just keep going. That line would just keep going. You couldn't even keep up with it. And I'm like, okay, so the great peach, the mystical peach, the mysterious peach of which humans cannot understand exploded and 27 billion years later is still expanding. I don't even know what to say. I mean, do I feel like at this point, I think I've made my point. So someone can look at a religious person and say, oh, you're such an idiot. Like, you really think that skydiving just like put things here? Like the earth, like you think it was just sky daddy and the sun and the moon was just sky daddy that's so stupid it was the mysterious peach of destiny can we just all acknowledge that the big bang theory like it's is it a theory can we even call it a theory the big bang theory 
is retarded. And if you're going to call the biblical explanation retarded, then you cannot not call the Big Bang Theory retarded. You would have to have a little consistency here. In one of the scenarios, it is a great and mysterious creator who created the earth and the sun and the moon and the stars and life. Okay, if you think that's far-fetched, I get it. But you can't come back to me and say, that's far-fetched. It was actually a mystical and mysterious peach that exploded and no one knows why or where it came from. That's really like the basic, that's the, if you want to really boil it down to one sentence, the Big Bang Theory is there was a ball the size of a peach. We don't know where it came from and it exploded, but we don't know why. And that created everything. I know like boomers, like my parents, who will say like, when you ask them where the ball come from, then they say, oh, well, that was the creator. So they're still employing the sky daddy theory into their, they're still employing like the biblical elements out of convenience. They're like, well, yeah, there was a creator. There was something that created that ball. And there was something that set off the explosion. That's the creator. And I'm like, but that, that's still like, but you don't find that far-fetched? So you think it's far-fetched that the creator would have created the earth. You just don't, and, and life. But you think it's not far-fetched that the creator would have created the, the mysterious peach and made it explode. That to you is reasonable. I'll tell you what I'm going to do at this very moment. I'm going to pause this because I think we're ready to move on to our next topic. I'm just not entirely sure where the next topic is going to be. So I'm going to take five, but you won't even know it's five because I'm just going to pause and then resume. And I'm going to step outside and have a cigarette and think things over and think about what I want to discuss next. Okay? Because I'm not really feeling... I was feeling a lot more racist yesterday. And um, I'm not feeling very racist today. But maybe I'll think of something outside. So I'll, I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back. And uh, I thought of a couple things to talk about. I was just scrolling through Twitter looking for some ideas. The first thing is this video of uh, Dwayne Wade at some kind of like award show or something. I don't know. What's, what's happened to that fella? He's just like a buck broken black man. That was an alliteration. That's a good alliteration. Buck broken black man. Um, basketball hall of fame, red carpet. Okay. That they're with, okay. So his son, he's there with his son who dresses like a girl and thinks he's a girl. Um, it's really bizarre. Um, all of this is so bizarre, you know, but I think, um, okay, here, let me, I'm just getting situated here. It's weird. I mean, he's made statements about it before. And on the one hand, it's like, I don't know. You, you want to like support your children. I get it. But 
in this case, it's like, I think to allow your child to do that is not being a good parent. Like, I really hope that this person hasn't like done the transition, like a surgical transition. Because I think to let your kid mutilate themselves and therefore become sterile. Did I, am I saying that word weird? Sterile, sterile. I said sterile. I would just say sterile. I think that's kind of mean. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's actually not love. I think that's actually kind of mean. Like when your kid's doing something insane, you should probably be like, stop. You should probably, that's, and that's really, I think that's really the role of the father in a lot of ways. The mother has a very important role, obviously, in raising children. When they get to a certain age, like when they start to get to adolescence and above, that's when like a paternal element is going to be more important. I think when they're younger, it's the maternal element that's more important. And as they get older, the dad's got to be like, you don't have to do it in like a heavy handed way. I mean, you could just be like, hey, cut that shit out. Fucking retard, you know, like you could approach it that way, but you might just make them rebel more. So you have to be artful about it. But that's when you're going to want to step in as a father and be like, no, 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 no. You don't want to do this. And you want to sit them down and, and, and really explain to them the implications of what they're doing. Like if they want to cut their tits off or cut their dick off, you know, you, cause like a 15, 16 year old, I don't know how, how old Dwayne Wade's son is who thinks, uh, he's a daughter, but you really want to sit him down and say, Hey, do you think about like maybe having kids of your own someday? And do you, do you want them to like really be your own children? Because if you cut your dick off, then you will never be able to do that. And you can't, re like, you can't change your mind later. And additionally, like, there are going to be health implications outside of even reproducing that, that are going to be really negative to you. And you really want to lay this out. And uh, that's going to be like your test as a father is being able to save your child from some of these... Um, trials and tribulations, you know, that, that the modern world will put them through. And that's when you really like, that's when you, that's when you step up and prove that you're a good father is being able to intervene and stop that from happening. And obviously Dwayne was not able to do that. And part of the reason is because he's married to a very, to a famous woman who's very ambitious. And I think that that is something that I don't want to get into like manosphere stuff because I think a lot of those manosphere people are they're so dumb and a lot of them the way they talk about women I'm like have you ever even had a girlfriend like a lot of these guys they come up like they're, they're giving advice to young men on how to operate and how to interact with women and I hear some of this stuff and like I know how to I, I know women you know like I, I've been in long relationships before and I hear some of the things they say and I'm like, I don't even think this guy's had a girlfriend before, but they masquerade like they're these 
I don't know, like they, they, they act as though they're authorities on this topic. And I, I just hear the things that they say and I'm like, this is really, you sound like a full-blown. You sound like a full-blown retard who's never even touched a woman, let alone been with one in a relationship. So I don't even want to get into that. But I do find that in my experience, something that I don't think I'll do, something that I'm really avoiding doing in terms of like, because I want to find a woman now. And I want this to be the last go around. You know, I don't want to like, I want to find a woman that I'm going to be with until I die. That's what I'm trying to do now. And you have to be careful about that. I mean, women have to be careful about it as well if they're finding the man that they want to be with for the rest of their lives. You have to, you know, consider all of these things. And something that I'm realizing that in my experience, and I'm not even trying to talk shit about any of my exes, is that I won't, I won't pursue a relationship with like a very ambitious woman who wants to be famous. Definitely not. That's become like, red flag number one to me obviously loyalty being the other red flag number one we'll put those both at the top if a woman has like a proclivity for cheating then that's an extreme red flag at least for me i mean maybe you don't care some of these guys are in like open relationships and shit i just think that's gay and it's not for me if other people want to live like that whatever you know like imagine like being in an open relationship and you're and you're uh your partner, they call them partners, isn't that? <laughs> Imagine being in an open relationship and your partner gets pregnant and you don't even know if it's your kid. Like, ima- just imagine that. I don't know how these people do it. It's really like, it's, be- it's, it's mysterious beyond my comprehension, just like the peach. I don't know how they do it. Can't wrap my head around it. Like the idea of like remaining with this partner of yours through her pe- pregnancy not even knowing if it's your kid is just wild to me. I mean, just, it's really out there. But this is where we're at. <laughs> anyway, it's very important to, to find someone who's going to be loyal and won't cheat on you, uh, in my opinion. And the other thing is these women who they care about fame more than anything else. They care about fame more than having a family. That to me is like just about the biggest red flag. And I've experienced this before and I've been with a woman like that. And it's just not, it's not what I want. Maybe it's something that someone else could want. I'm Again, I'm approaching this like, this is what my preference is and this is what I look for. And that to me is a big red flag. It's not like they can't be ambitious in any regard, but it's like women who want fame, big red flag, I'm just warning you, proceed with caution when you're dealing with a woman like that. Really, really think about the implications of that. Something that I was thinking about, and it's like, I'm going to relate this to the Dwayne Wade situation, because he is married to an ambitious woman who cares about her career, and Dwayne probably found himself in a position where even if he disagreed with his son, you know, mutilating himself or, or wearing a wig or whatever, you know, just completely humiliating himself, but thinking it's like his, his calling and like the, the truth of his soul. Um, 
even if Dwayne was against it, he would have to get divorced, basically. I mean, that's going to escalate to a situation because Gab Union is a famous woman who's very ambitious, who wouldn't play that shit because it's not allowed in her industry. And it, and Dwayne is now in the entertainment industry as well. Like, he had that TV show. I think he still has a TV show. It's some, like, stupid TV show where they get locked in, like, a glass box or something like that and they play games. I don't know what the fuck it is. Um... So even, like, he didn't have the option. I mean, there's always a choice. And he could have said, no, fuck this shit. I'm being a man and I'm stepping up. He could have done that. But he didn't want to deal with the blowback from his wife and from the industry. He would lose his TV show. He would become ostracized from the Hollywood community that he's now ingratiated in. And he would risk his wife divorcing him over this. I mean, I don't think that that would be... I think that that's going to be a thing that's going to happen to a lot of couples are going to separate because one of the parents, and it's usually going to be the mother, who is going to be like, no, no, Gary's really a girl. And it's, it's actually Harriet. Our, our son, Gary, is actually Harriet. I don't even think they're naming kids Gary anymore, but you know what I'm saying. It's, usually, it's probably going to be the mom, and the father is going to be the one who's like, gonna have to make that choice am i just gonna accept this and let it happen to just keep things cool at home or am i gonna say no and this might result in uh in like you know basically your family being destroyed because you might lose anyway in the divorce proceedings you know you might you might not like you're not gonna get full custody as a man there's no way and so you might end up with the tranny kid anyway and you're divorced now. So I get it. It's like a really tough position to be in. And I'm not even I'm not even trying to I guess I shouldn't be so judgmental of Dwayne. Like I kind of feel bad. It's like he married a, a powerful, ambitious woman, and she's calling the shots. He's in an industry where the industry's calling the shots too, and he can't do shit. Because if he was gonna come out and say you know, early on when this was starting to happen and he was going to say, my son is my son. My son is not a girl. My son is not my daughter. And I don't accept this. Then he would get blackballed from the industry. Gab Union would probably divorce him. His son would become a tranny anyway. It's like a lose, lose, lose. I don't even understand. But by putting himself in the situation he consented to being in the potential situation that he finds himself in where he might have a tranny kid and there's nothing he can do about it, you see. When you marry the ambitious, famous woman, she's going to have... She's going to have to do things to maintain her career that you may not agree with, but you're the one who married her, bro. And it could have been easier. Like, you're one of the most famous and successful basketball players of all time. You had so many choices when it came to marriage. And you could have just married, like, a regular woman who had no interest in being famous, who had no interest in, you know, becoming powerful, but just had an interest in raising your children. And you could have had that. All of these guys can have that. Some of these guys, you know, they want to date porn stars. It's like Zion Williamson. And then this, you know, he's dating this, I don't even know if dating is the right word. He's paying this prostitute to suck him off. And then she 
snaps and goes crazy and starts, you know, trying to drag him. Well, you're the one who wanted to hire the prostitute. There's always going to be like a possibility that the prostitute's going to snap and try to drag you through the mud, Zion. Like you did this to yourself. You ultimately had the ability to choose so many women. You had so many options available to you. And so many of those women are just like good women who want to love you and marry you. And they're not going to snap and go on Instagram or Twitter and try to expose you. They're not going to try to turn your son into a tranny. They're not going to have um, obligations to an industry that forces them to live a certain way and make certain choices and inhibit them from making other choices lest they be blackballed from their industry. You know, like, ultimately, if we're going to put this on Gab Union, and maybe she's so brainwashed, and it's probably the case, that she thinks she's doing the right thing, but even if she knew it was the wrong thing with her son, even if she knew it was the wrong thing, she can't do anything about it unless she's willing to break ties with her industry, with Hollywood. That's the only way. And she's clearly not willing to do that. And like women who chase fame and especially the ones who get it are not going to be able to act rationally. They're going to just have to go along with what's acceptable. And that's the problem. And that's why you want to be careful if you're considering getting into a relationship with a woman like that. You should be very careful about it because you have to think about down the road and you have to think about the implications of that. You know, that was something that I thought about, like, personally, in my own experience, where I was thinking, you know, let's take, for example, like, if you have a woman who wants to be famous and has, like, actual talent and the ability to do so, there are going to be situations that you're going to have to be okay with as a man. And you have to ask yourself if you're really willing to put yourself into that situation. And it's like, you don't even have to go around, like, I, you know, I'll, I'm not even going to call D-Wade like a cuck. Like, I'm not going to do that. And you could do that. I mean, it's kind of fun to call people cucks and make fun of them. And even guys in open relationships, like, those guys, I mean, those guys are cucks. Like, whatever. But I'm not, I'm not even trying to be a dick. Because a lot of people would say, oh, you can't handle a powerful woman? Well, you're the cuck. And I would say, what, whatever, dude. I mean, it's just not for, it's not for me. Like, I have been through the experience. And I'm at this point grateful Because, like, I was so bummed out for so long that things didn't work out. But when you start to think about things, and it's the same way I was talking about comedy, you think about it in practical terms. You know, the idea of being a working comic. It's like, do I want to be on tour all the time? No, I have no interest in that. That sounds horrible to me. So I started thinking about it practically, and I was like, oh, that's not actually something that I want. And it's the same way I was thinking about, like, the woman I end up with would I want her to be like, because I know, I don't know this for a fact, but my assumption would be like the type of woman who wants to be famous, if she gets like a role in a movie and in the movie she has to have a sex scene, like let's say you have a, you have a wife or a girlfriend and she's going to star in a rom-com and she's like making out with this guy on, on camera and having like sex scenes. It's like, I wouldn't be okay with that. Maybe some guys would. But 
if you said that to your ambitious, fame-seeking woman, trust me on this. This I can tell you for a fact. She will say, you're trying to control me. You're just like, they have no respect for you, for your boundaries. I mean, we saw what happened with Jonah Hill and like the way he handled that situation. I felt like it was, uh, and she tried to make him look bad, but it just felt like he said, no, you know, and Jonah, Jonah, if you're listening, just find a good woman who's not, who doesn't have these aspirations. Like, it's not a good thing, in my opinion. You need to have female actors. Okay, fine. Like, they should just marry cucks who are going to be fine with this kind of thing. And then that would be, they should be making the decision. They should marry whatever, but they're the ones who are going to make the decision. They sh- they're they're going to have that call. And that's their reality. But if you find yourself in a position as a powerful man and you are ready to settle down and have like, then you should pick a good woman who doesn't have aspirations for fame and power. You should pick a woman who has aspirations for family. That just seems to me like very logical. You should find a woman whose goal it is to have children and to be a good mother to them. Because you're the provider. If you're especially a powerful man like Jonah Hill or like Dwayne Wade, who have a lot of money and they have the means to provide for a family as big as they want, then find a woman who is going to align with those goals. You know, find a woman who's not going to star in a rom-com and be in sex scenes on camera because they will say yes. And if you say, hey, I have a problem with you doing these sex scenes with this actor, then they're going to freak out and they're going to say, you're just trying to control me. You're trying to control me. You're just a control freak. You're trying to control me. Like you don't want it. Just trust me. You don't want to do it. You don't want to deal with it. It's just not. It may be if you don't, if you don't want a family, if you just want to be like just a player or whatever, or, you know, you find yourself becoming a powerful man and you've always like had a crush on this actress and now you're at the same party as her and now you're sleeping with her and she's your girlfriend and you want to marry her, like, by all means, like, if that's what you want to do. But it's just not, it's not going to end well when it comes to you wanting a family and you wanting to her to be loyal. Maybe it will, and, and when it does, I think that's great. But it's just, like, it's not likely, and they're still going to take these roles because they're going to be thinking about their career more than anything. <laughs> And it's not even like it's necessarily it's not even like it's necessarily good when a when a man does it either, but at least it's like if you're gonna be providing, it's a little different. But there reaches a point where like if you're and I I'm, I'm always I'm gonna relate it to comedy always. If you are a rich and famous comic and you've put yourself in a position where you have a few million dollars. And you can now support a family and you find a woman and even a good woman and you have children with her and now you have kids, but you go back out on tour all the time. Like that's wrong of you to be doing that. And if your wife said to you, hey, I don't like that you keep leaving for months at a time to go on tour. We have enough money. And you say, no, I got to provide for this family. I got to achieve greatness. It's like now you're being the selfish one as the man because you're no longer the provider Now you're just being selfish and you don't want to be around your kids and you don't want to be a father. You know, look at Burt Kreischer. 
Like the guy's a disaster. It's embarrassing. And uh, if his like if his wife divorced him over that, I would get that. I would get that. Because she'd be like, no, you, you, you're, you're like an embarrassment to this family. You've, prov- you've already provided. You've done your part. And, uh, you know, you can still continue to do comedy, too. It's just like live in a place where there's a comedy club. And you can go there all the time and continue to pers- pursue your craft. And then maybe leave for a weekend or something. But a lot of these guys, they'll achieve the level of provider status. And they're secured. And they don't need any more money. They have more money than they'll need for the rest of their lives And enough that they'll be able to give millions of dollars to their children. Okay? But then they continue to just be like absentee fathers. Well, at that point, it's like you're no longer being a provider. Now you're just being a bad father. You know? So men can can be just as guilty of it as women. But when it comes to the women, it's like, You know, you're dating a powerful woman and maybe she gets to where she wants to be. Well, she's going to take movie roles that you don't agree with. She's going to be, you know, she's not an actress. Maybe she's a comedian or maybe she's a musician. She's going to be on tour. And you're going to have to worry about that. And she's going to be an absentee mother. Okay. And... And you'll find, like, they'll find themselves in this milieu, and this is what where Dwayne Wade finds himself, because Gab Union can't even say no. And you're going to send these kids to these private institutions and these really fancy private schools where they're actively trying to turn your kids into trannies, and they, they may succeed, but everyone, and this is the big problem too, You can't even handle it privately at a certain point because the kids at the school will talk and they'll tell their parents and some of their parents are also Hollywood actors. And all of a sudden they're going to be, well, did you hear about Gab Union and Dwayne Wade's son is transitioning? Oh my gosh, that's so wonderful. And what happens if that turns around all of a sudden? And then they're going to start talking. Well, I think Dwayne is actually a bigot. I think this was Dwayne. Um trying to ruin his son's transition into a woman, his daughter, truly his daughter, you know? It's just like once you're involved in that milieu, I'm probably saying that word wrong too. It's like, it's all or nothing. You either completely break ties or you're a slave to it. And now you no longer have control over raising your children. Now the community raises your children. And it just so happens that that community is the most fucked up community you could possibly imagine. You know, they're like drug-addicted sex addict pedophiles in a lot of cases. And even if they're not pedophiles, they're like, they're gay or they're just degenerates, you know, and and they're all on Prozac and like all these different sorts of uh, SSRIs and they're on you know, just all sorts of shit. And they're, they're not even human anymore. And you're letting non-humans make decisions for your children. Well, you put yourself in this position and there is a way out, Dwayne, but it's going to hurt. And it's not going to be easy. And you're going to be ostracized. And your wife might divorce you. And your tranny son's still going to be your tranny daughter, you know? And it's just kind of sad. Like, I feel... On the one hand, it's like Dwayne put himself in that position. And on the other hand, I do kind of still feel bad for him.
What are we at? Oh, wow, we're almost in an hour already. Time flies, man. I'm telling you. This whole... Cut, try cutting out weed and booze. Give that a shot. Try weed, too, if you're trying to cut out booze. Some of you might have drinking problems. I hope not. But if you're trying to cut out booze, but you're like, I'm going to keep the weed to, like, you know, because I need something. No, no, no. Try both. Try both at the same time. It's, like, really awesome. And everything feels very pure. Um... I was just outside smoking a cigarette that I haven't cut out and I already explained why, but I was just outside smoking a cigarette and I think little kids have like a sixth sense for like goodness in people in the same way that like dogs do. Like I think a dog, sometimes like nice dogs who are never misbehaved will like growl and bark at a person. And I think it's because they know something. I think there's like a spiritual element there that they know something. And I think little kids are similar that they like can sense things that adults can't sense. And I was just outside smoking a cigarette and there was a little kid walking with his mom. She was pushing a stroller and he was walking beside it. And he was like probably two years old. It looked like he just learned how to walk pretty recently and he looked up at me and I was because I was looking at them as they were passing by. And he looked up at me and he and he waved at me and he was laughing. And I was like, that was so beautiful. And I think he I think he can sense the like goodness emanating from me because now I feel so much like I feel like a like a purity radiating from within me, like my spirit and my soul. I feel like so high frequency. I feel like very in tune with a with a higher spiritual realm that I only feel when I'm not engaging in like all of these vices. I only feel it when I'm like living a more pure life. And like, you know, I'm, I'm reading and I'm not drinking and I'm not smoking weed and I'm exercising and I'm eating better. And I just feel in, in tune with this like higher spirit. And I think like, you know, I think that kid, like, it was a beautiful moment. The kid was waving at me and laughing, and I was like, hello, hello, little young man. And uh, it was just such, it was so nice. It was such a nice moment. I loved it. I loved it. And it's like, that's when I, like, because I realized, you know, after I went through my breakup in, like, whatever it was, January, I knew that I, w I, knew that I wasn't even ready for a new woman for a while. Because I was behaving poorly and I was just like acting a fool and just being unproductive and just being a degenerate. So I knew that I didn't even deserve to have a, a woman or a family, certainly not a family. And uh, I'm still not ready to have a family because I don't make enough to provide for them the way that I want to. But I'm only probably two years away from that. And... Um, but anyway, it's like when you're feeling in, when I feel in this, when I'm in this place mentally and spiritually, then I'm like, yeah, I am. I would be a great dad and a great husband. And it's awesome, you know, but, and it makes it so much easier to resist the vices. So when it's like seven or eight o'clock at night and I got nothing to do and like my friends are busy and I just like, I'm bored and I could easily just go down to the Kona and like grab a, 
grab some beers and just get hammered for no reason. It's easy to say no to that because I'm like, no, I'm on a path now. And it's a path that leads towards the things that I really want. And it makes it so easy to say no to that stuff. And your brain will try to, that voice in your head will try to negotiate. It'll be like, no, but you'll just do it tonight and then you'll get right back, back on track tomorrow. You can't engage in negotiation with that voice. You do not negotiate with that voice. There may be times where you can negotiate with that voice, but if you're, if you're trying to overcome like substance abuse, you know, that kind of thing, there's no negotiating. It's just a straight no. I'm not listening to you. It's like when you're in the city and like a black guy comes up, like a black homeless guy comes up to you to ask for money and starts rapping his life story to you. You just go, no, 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 no. I'm not giving you anything. You're not listening to his rap and uh, you're just like, no, I'm just, there's no negotiation. There's no, like, you're just cutting it off. You're, you're nipping it in the bud. I don't know if that was the best example to use. But you're just like, no, we're not negotiating. Like that voice in your head will think that it's opening up a dialogue for negotiation. And you're just saying, no, there will be no negotiation. I'm cutting this off immediately before it even begins. <clears throat> Something that I'll end on is, is another thing that I found. This is an article from 2015. One of the funniest... Um, one of the funniest subtle anti-Semitic memes that I found is um, um, the early life meme. Because what you'll find is a lot of these guys, like a lot of these academics and intellectuals who are very against like whiteness or Christ Christianity or anything right wing... You, you click on early life and it's like, so-and-so was raised by a, uh, in a Jewish family in a Jewish home. And it's just like, it never fails. It almost never fails. And there's a meme that it's like Gandalf or something. Uh, I think it's Gandalf. I don't know. It's some character from a movie. It might be from Harry Potter. I forget that guy's name. Who's the guy? The old guy in Harry Potter with the long white hair. What's his name? I don't know. Whatever. He, it's like a guy and he's like feeling an orb with like his eyes closed and it's like, it is as I suspected. And it just says early life, you know, like from Wikipedia, it just has a little clip of that thing that says early life. And it's really funny, but you start to notice these things. So like, um, take for example, this article that's from 2015 and it says, yes, diversity is about getting rid of white people, parentheses. And that's a good thing. By Emma Goldstein, guys. Emma Goldstein. We don't even have to look at early life for Emma Goldstein. We know what's going on there. Let's see what the subheading is. So, yes, white supremacist. So, yes, white supremacist. Diversity is indeed white genocide. And white genocide is exactly what the world needs more than anything else. Okay, Jews. There can be a productive way to go about this, and this is what I'm trying to explain to you, and I've experienced it myself. I grew up around white people who are non-Jews. All of my best friends, okay, I have a very, very close circle of friends. None of them are really Jewish, 
two of them are Jewish by blood. Okay, but they're not like cult, like they're not religious Jews, and they're not even really culturally Jewish. They're more culturally Christian. Okay, two of my eight closest friends are Jewish, and six of them are Christian. Different types of Christian, Catholic, whatever. None of them are really religious. One of them is a little more religious than the others. Okay, and he's I think Catholic. But growing up, my best friend live next door to me. He's still my best friend. Um, and they're a Christian family. And it's like, I love that family. And I look up to that family and they're like my family role models. Like I want to have a family just like what they had. And, um, so I embrace those people as like my own family. And I, I'm like, I have such good friends and like, probably I've been blessed in life with nothing There's no greater blessing, I think, that I've experienced in life than, like, my immediate family and my friends. Like, my close friend group, I couldn't have asked for a better friend group. They're the fucking best. I love them. And they're like my family. Because sometimes people will say, like, I'll see stuff that's like, you only have your family. Your friends will turn on you in an instant. And I'm like, no, you don't have my friends, though. And some people, I know people who have like college friends, you know what I mean? And they don't even really know. I know people who don't really know what true friendship is. And, um, you know, and they have friends, but they're the type of friends that you like lose touch with and you, you won't talk to them anymore. And, and those are the type of friends that, that, yeah, maybe they would turn on you and I could see how you'd only think that you have your family. But when you have a friend group, who you grow up with, and I'm talking about like, you know, my friend group has been the same group since we're like five, and we've just added a few people to it over time, but even the latest additions were when we were like 13 maybe. So even the the most recent friends in my friend group, I've been best friends with since I'm for 17 years now, like over 17 years. That was like the last addition we made to our crew was like, I think when we were 13 and we've had the same circle for 17 years. Some of us go back 25 years. And with my neighbor, who I just mentioned, we've been best buddies since we're two years old. We go back 28 years. You know, that's how long we've, that's my family. And that's why I'm like, I speak Christian. I was saying that on stage the other day. I'm like, I speak Christian. Like these are my people. That's why I view them as my people because they're, they're the people who are closest to me, who I love are, there's just as many Christians as there are Jews and Jews. You got to understand that like these people aren't your enemies and you got to stop treating them like you're, they're your enemies. Stop treating them like goy, like Gentiles, like unchosen, because you're going to set yourself up for some poor treatment. I said it in the last episode and I told you I was doing that bit on stage where I'm like, you get like Jews always got kicked out of countries in Europe throughout, you know, the 15th century, the 16th century, the 17th century, the 18th century, the 19th century, the 20th century. Okay. They kept getting kicked out of European countries. Why? Okay. And they'll always tell you it's because of anti-Semitism. And I'm like, How are you behaving? How are you conducting yourself? Okay. Are you treating these people like they're lesser? Are you treating these people like they're not human? Are you treating these people like Emma Goldstein here? Yes. 
Diversity is about getting rid of white people, and that's a good thing. Don't be this kind of Jew. Part of being a free Jew is not only breaking through the propaganda, the trauma-based propaganda that they try to control your thoughts. It's also about recognizing or like embracing other whites. You know, we're whites. Stop telling yourself that you're not. I mean, whatever. If you want to tell yourself you're not a white and that you're a Jew and that you're different, well, you're going to be treated differently by whites. But if you embrace whites and you love whites, they will embrace you back. You know, white Christians, white Muslims, white anybody. They, I mean, they will embrace you back. There's like, there's a bond that we all have and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. And I really love these people. And that's why like, I get along with them so well. And that's why I never worry about this stuff. Like, if there was a shift in the, in the rhetoric as you see, that's more like people noticing, like the noticing. I don't worry myself one bit about that because I know these people. And, uh, you know, like, so I don't worry about those things, but I could see how Jews who other themselves may be worried about these things. But again, it's all about like, what position have you put yourself in? And if you're going to assert this like racial supremacy because of your Jewish blood, because you think you're chosen... People don't like that, okay? You're bothering them. It's really annoying them. And now you're trying to subvert their culture and you're telling them that that white genocide is a good thing. They view that as like an existential threat at that point, okay? And could you even blame them if they wanted to kick you out of their country? I wouldn't blame them. You know, that's like... Jews want to take no responsibility, That's one of the biggest problems. They want to take no responsibility over. And look, I, like I said before too, there are a lot of like white nationalist types who are, who are legitimately like, they just hate Jews. They don't even know. They're not educated. They don't know history. They just hate Jews because like Nick Fuentes told them to, and they're dumb and they're retarded. I'm not talking about those people, but there are perfectly reasonable people who view Jews as a subversive element in their culture. And if they want to preserve their culture, they don't want Jews to take part in their culture because they worry that the Jews are degrading it. And Jews will always try to try to shield themselves from blame by acting like victims. But you have to acknowledge your role, the role of your people. It's like what they try to do with whites when they try to make... Hold on, I'm taking a sip of water. They try to make all whites guilty for the sins of their ancestors. And a lot of Jews are like in support of that. They're like, yeah, you should be guilty. You're, you're, we weren't the slave, ma- even though a lot of Jews had slaves in the South, but they'll never admit that. But they'll be in support of that kind of progressive idea of like white guilt. And I say, okay, well, maybe we should have a little bit of Jewish guilt. Maybe we should think about the things that we've done to European countries and America And the way that our people have contributed to the subversion of a culture that's not ours. Maybe we should take a little responsibility in that. And all I can do is like try to snap Jews out of it as I try to do on this podcast. And just like be a good person. And like I'm not going to raise my kids to think they're chosen people. And I'm going to raise my kids to assimilate to American culture and be good Americans. You know, that's how I contribute. I, there's not much else I can do beyond that. I can't like, 
I can't expose the Jews in power as the evil manipulators that there are. I don't, I don't have the ability to do that. But I just control what I can control. <clears throat> this wasn't... Um, I think the last episode was a little funnier than this. I want to make... I'm going to make, I want to make the next, I want the next episode to be funnier. I didn't like how unfunny this was. It wasn't, there were a couple moments, but I didn't like how unfunny it was. But I think there was some good advice there for dudes in the middle there. Be very wary of ambitious women who want fame. And I know some of you are comics who listen to this and you're around female comics a lot. And some of them are hot and you want to date them. Be very careful about that, I'm telling you. Okay, because if they want fame more than anything, they're not going to be good wives. They're not going to be good mothers. And maybe you're not interested in that and you just want to and you just want to slam out some pussy. All right. Go ahead. Go for it. But just realize what you're getting yourself into. It's not it's not all uh rainbows and unicorns. It's it's um it's stressful, man. It's stressful. So I'm just giving you a heads up on that. And uh, take it how you will. I know it's like hard to meet women. I get that, but it's not impossible. And uh, I know it's like convenient to talk to and hook up with and date women in the comic circle. But, you know, these are ambitious women who want fame. And that's not the... Depending on what you're looking for, and if you're looking for the same type of thing that I'm looking for, it's a very non-ideal type of woman to want to pursue that with, okay? That's going to be it for now. You got two episodes pretty much back-to-back. I'll probably release this one in, like, the end of the week. Um, And I realize it's been a while, but it's like the apartment's empty again, so it's like I'll do another one. And maybe I'll even do a third and release that in another week. But I got to think of stuff to talk about. Um, thank you for listening as always. You know I love you. Especially if you're Christian. Okay. And white. But also if you're a Jew. And you're not being a dick about it. There, there's. The last thing I'll say. There are people who are in these groups who break out of it. This is why. This is why the picture is shackles breaking. Because. People who break out of those shackles and get it and come from these minority groups, we're great, dude. I'm telling you, there are few people I love more, and I, and I know so few of them, but Jews who get it, I love Jews who get it. They're fantastic people. Like, they're really great. And um, black people who get it, they're really fucking awesome people. Okay, so I know we like to generalize because it's funny and racism's funny and anti-Semitism's funny and fun. But we do have to also acknowledge that the ones who break free are like some of the best people because we have such a unique and um, we have a unique and very like rewarding and and open minded perspective that's very valuable. So by breaking free, we're already taking a huge first step in terms of making things better for for ourselves and for those around us. Isn't that a beautiful message? Life is beautiful.
and so are you, unless you're ugly. See you next time.